Hello and welcome to episode three of Dualistic Unity. I am everyone. <laughs> and today I'll be playing the part of Ray again. <laughs> it's been an, yeah. an amazing week again, man. There's just so much happening. So much. Uh, for those tuning in, I took uh, four grams of mushrooms yesterday and it was... <laughs> It was it was a great ride, and I'm excited to discuss that with someone who has done it many times, much more than I have. You know, not trying to convince anyone to do anything. Obviously, I think my state of mind is very primed for experiences like that. Very Certainly, much. it wasn't jarring for me at all. It was. Uh, it was like what I already knew and it became more clear to me that mushroom, it makes sense why people who take mushrooms, like some of them, their eyes are, you know, more open. Some of them, it's just like a fun trip, you know, stuff gets wiggly, but it, it, it doesn't actually teach you anything necessarily. It gives you the opportunity to see things if you're ready. So for, for, if you're very much think that, you know, you're, this human and that's all you are, all you ever will be. And you're born on a day and you'll die on a day. Like I can see why it would be lead to a bad trip or something because it, it cuts you down, peels things back. Like, Nope, you're not yeah. just that you're uh, you're everything. And you always have been. That's right. And, and it's funny because you don't necessarily need psychedelics to, to achieve that by any means. I mean, a lot of people have through, practice meditation through different um, techniques such as yoga or tai chi things like that they're just getting deeper and deeper and deeper into the moment deeper and deeper away from our mind but in the world that we live in right now and i know i've had this conversation many times there are so many um, influences that exacerbate our stress there are so many things that are constantly just pounding us over the head with the need to think about ourselves that it becomes very difficult to establish that practice and so psychedelic experiences are often a way to kind of shortcut your way past that stress. But there are, there's a danger as well in that because then you almost expect it to be that easy when you're not being helped. And so it's important to remember that while they can be a shortcut, they are a shortcut to work that you are still doing and will continue doing once the psychedelics have worn off. That, that process that you're going through in that experience continues on into sobriety. You're just not as aware of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I've seen as so my experience i can kind of get into that in more detail but basically everything was so obviously clear when i was going through it and it certainly stayed with me but there have been like you know the my identification with andrew and fears and wants like they're i can feel them trying to like get back in and i i latch onto it. and when i was going through you know, yesterday for a few hours, it was, there was none of that. And it was so, everything was so clear. And, and so afterwards I still have that sort of clarity feeling, which I was already feeling before I ever tried any sort of psychedelics, but I, I see how it, people can get right back into their patterns, essentially, if they don't, if they think that it's all, you know, the, mushrooms yep. or whatever psychedelics you're taking so that's often what happens unfortunately that's exactly what happens it's like you know it's it's the psychedelics doing the work it's like no it was always you doing the work it was it was always you 
And if you take responsibility from that, you can, you can continue to do it. But if you pass it off, then you're not going to learn anything from it. If anything, you're actually going to get farther away. Disregarding those uncomfortable insights is just, you know, the drugs instead of, no, it just makes me uncomfortable. And I don't want to look at it right now because I'm not relaxed enough to feel that I can look at it and not be afraid. And, and that's really all it is, right? Is that you cut your strings and you're like, I can look at anything because nothing is, is terrifying to me, right? I'm perfectly good being uncertain. So bring on the insights. Whereas the rest of the time when we're overcommitted to the idea that we need to be in control or that there's a me to be in control, that's all just riddled with fear. There's nothing to do there except be afraid and defend that idea of yourself. And so you can't take in insights. Everything is a threat to you. Yeah. I, it hit me like nothing, nothing can go wrong. There is no, like that is what anxiety and fear stem from is the idea that something could go wrong and it, it, it can't. And you can make up a story that it could if you're identified with certain things and, and attached to certain things and, you know, things, something changes and all of a sudden you perceive that as something bad happening or something wrong happening. And it's like, there is no wrong. How could anything go? How, how could it even go wrong? What does that even mean? And what, in what sense? And, and so I can get into, I don't know if I, I can run through quick, like what I did yesterday and, and what I took and whatnot. I basically, Absolutely. for sure. I yeah. just want to make the quick point and, and, and it's important to remember that the implications of what we're talking about are huge in terms of how we can apply this to mental health. Because in, in mental health scenarios, we're often trying to come up with coping mecha mechanisms. We're trying to gain context. We're exploring our past, our history, our trauma, so on and so forth. And in that, we almost perpetuate that journey because we're trying to come to a resolution. Whereas the mentality we're talking about is to go, right, that, that big scary dinosaur in my head of that memory is just a fly. If I can change my perspective of my power within this relationship or my role within my existence. And, and so the implications are massive for what we can do in our day to day life. But it's interesting that it's this conversation that leads us to those insights. So by all means, explain what you've been going through this week, because that's great. Um, so for those listening, we talked about it last week, but I took I tried some for the first time last weekend, basically. And Throughout the week, kind of every other day, I was trying out different like micro doses. And then yesterday I figured I could handle more. And so I took three grams. Um, and then an hour and a half later, I took another extra gram as Ray refers to as the kicker, um, which I think definitely, you know, hit me in that second wave a little bit more strongly. Um, and it was great. And basically, uh, so I have here, I'll just, um, I have this. Uh, it's a sound acoustic soundboard thing that I got. This is like acoustic soundboard too, just like, so my room is quieter and sound stays in. And then in my room, I have this like psychedelic type flag with, it's like a greenery uh, cave with a bunch of mushrooms on either side. And then it's kind of looking out into space. Exactly. So I start, <laughs> so starting out uh, probably, what was it? 20 minutes in. Stuff started getting a little wobbly and I was like, Ooh, this is weird. And then I was like, no, it's okay. This is what's supposed to be happening. So I, I like, there was a split second where I was like, Oh, and then I was like, no, it's okay. And then, and then I sort of relaxed into it. And then I was staring at that thing, the world for a while and it started like moving. And then it was like, it started breathing. 
And I was like, it started to hit me like, so it's all just happening. And we are this earth just happening. And it's sort of like everything individually happening. It's just like the earth sort of breathing. And then I was there for probably 15 minutes just in this chair, just staring at that. Then I was like, I should go check out that new psychedelic thing I got uh, with all the mushrooms and stuff. That would probably be pretty cool to look at. So I looked at that and that's where stuff really started to hit me. That was probably 45 minutes in. And I just laid down on my bed with my pillow under my head, just staring at it. And it started moving a lot. It was like flashing and stuff was wiggling and it was almost like they took me back to that. It was like, this flag is, is earth with mushrooms on it. And just like a bunch of beautiful greenery looking out into space. And it's like, that was what earth was. And it's sort of like, it transported me in a sense back to, you know, millions of years ago before anything, any humans were around. And it just became very clear that this is what has always been. And we just came through evolution of, you know, more recently was through apes before that, you know, probably, I don't know. If, I, I don't know, but yeah. My ceiling. We came from mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> right. yeah, that's, that's what I thought. I wasn't sure. So I was like, I don't know exactly, but it came, became very clear that we came from the earth. And it just is, and everything just is. And that's what kept hitting me. Like everything just is, everything has always been. What could be otherwise? What could be before what's been? That's just what's been. And this idea of the observer and the observed, it couldn't be other. And it's no, there is no separation. It's just what is and always has been. And this idea of, you know, any sort of belief, any sort of religion, everything that we've built upon the earth is just a layer. And it's not what is our belief. Well, it is and it isn't like it is what is because it is, but it's also not, it's like our, our idea of what is and any religion is just a story that we've layered on top of, you know, oh no, this is, what is it's like it's always just been what is and we happen to come out of the earth over millions hundreds of millions of years we came to this point but it's always just been and the only thing there ever is is what is now and that's, that's what we're what ever trying to describe anyone's that's, ever talked about basically it. and every and time people who don't have the clarity take the words and focus on the words or they take the actions and focus on the actions of that person who had that moment of clarity instead of realizing, oh, it's just the clarity. It's the clarity that's doing it. It's not the yoga. It's not the Tai Chi. It's not the, the, the Tibetan singing bowls. It's none of that. That's all lovely if you're in a state of clarity, but it doesn't replace clarity. This is why uh, Krishnamurti was saying that the messenger is always a traitor and we can't help it. There's nothing we can do about it because we can try and be as clear as possible but that doesn't guarantee the message is going to come across, which is why Jesus always said, let those who have ears to hear, hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like it's so obvious. Of course it is. It's what it is. We just, yeah. But we just, and all that 
there is to, like there is nothing to do there is nowhere to go there is nowhere to be there is nowhere to come from or go to it's just what is the only thing i think anyone like us in this podcast could ever do is try and like like sort of like the mushrooms do just peel back and, and question why why do you believe this to be it it's this is what is this is what is and that's it. how could it be <laughs> and and that's the thing right and then that that's exactly why i find it so funny that there are are so many follow these 10 steps to enlightenment or follow these 12 stages to, to peaceful living it's like it's a one-step process it's just one step that you have to continuously repeat you don't get to stop practicing this one step which is always just increasing or, or or allowing your awareness to act right but how do you how do you make that into a profitable business how do you turn that into a book that people are going to come back to and, and and read over and over and over again right i've had so many people say can you write a book and it's like no because if i do it's going to be even harder to to compensate for the message that's coming through here i can do it through speaking but in a book you're just going to take what i've written and run with it and i'd rather be in the conversation. I'd rather be somewhere in that living dialogue where I can at least account for some of the misinterpretation. But it always comes back down to it's a one step process, improve your awareness and everything else will follow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It is hard to put in towards any sort of situation because it isn't the word. It's not words you know like alan watts has some speeches about that it's like how can you you can't say what reality is because reality isn't words so it just it just is and it's it's like so i don't i don't i don't know if i want to say obvious because it's clearly not but it almost is it and is. it's yeah but our problem is lack of clarity and, and this is something that's really dawned on me over time is that as a species, we tend to, to put thought and, and logic on a, on a pedestal, like it is the epitome of, of human intelligence. But thought is actually degraded intelligence. Thought, conceptual thought is, is all dualism. It's all, you know, me versus that, you know, you versus them, dark versus light. There's no, there's no whole context. There's no um, um, understanding of the whole picture. It's always just categorized sections right and so when we are being truly intelligent it's almost like we're not thinking or rather the processing is happening on another level entirely it's not conceptual and that's the process we were talking about like catching a baseball for example right you're not conceptualizing the ball that's why i find the expression be the ball to be so goddamn funny because that's exactly what you're doing in that moment. You're, you're letting go of the disconnect between the ball happening and you happening. And so you just catch the ball because that's, that's the completion of what is for that, for that cycle, right? And so we almost get out of our way and allow ourselves to be what reality is, which is intelligence manifest. Yeah. Yeah. And that idea of everyone, any words that you use or, or thoughts or intelligence is just coming from a perspective of what is. So it couldn't, how could you put into words or express or explain what is from one perspective, even from your, you know, you're five feet tall or you're seven feet tall, like even from like literally a physical perspective, 
how could you express things in the same way? It's, it's like, it's impossible. And I was, I was walking around. So I, I, it was probably, I don't know when I texted you, I was, you know, venturing out and I almost turned around as soon as I walked outside. Cause I was like, I'm tripping balls right now. And I started like dying, laughing, like right outside my door. And I turned around and I was like, I can do this. I can do this. this." And it was, it was probably after two hours of taking the first dose. (laughs) I took the first one at like one 30 and it was like three 30. So it was only like less than an hour after the kicker too. And I was walking around and I was like, had a big old shitty grin on my face, just like walking around, like no, like, structure what's it was just like like so loose and it was saturday midday in new york city so it was crowded it was very crowded and i was like i would start laughing here and there i was like ooh, people i wonder what i look like to to other people right now i probably look like i'm tripping balls on something because i always do i i gotta tell you like i I know for a fact because i don't I don't hold anything back on my face, right? Because I, I don't care if anybody's looking at me. So I have the same, very much the same attitude when I go out into the world as you did yesterday. It's just, whatever, I'm here for me. This is my experience. This is what I'm here for. I will sit and I will talk to a squirrel. I will I will stop, suddenly stop in the middle of walking and go, huh, that's really, really interesting. And nobody's there. And I know people are dri- driving by looking at me going, huh, I don't care. I don't care at all. Because I mean, at the very worst, what's going to happen is somebody's going to go home and go, I was just watching this crazy dude on the street, just going through this process. And they're going to laugh about it. And I've just improved my own day through them by not giving a shit. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I was because I was walking around like smiling and, and I knew every single person walking past me. I mean, I don't know for sure. But it's likely that they were looking at me like wondering what I'm smiling about. And they were probably wondering if like they had something like they looked weird or something just because of my own past experiences of of that. Like someone was walking around with a massive smile on their face, kind of laughing, be like, what's going on here? Like, is it, is there something on my shirt? And it, it was just, I was just tripping balls and there was nothing to do with anyone else whatsoever but that was it and it was that's whether you were tripping balls or not the 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 important part was that you were living strictly for you in that moment everybody else's perception of you was irrelevant and that's why you looked so free and so happy and and what's funny is that people will see you in that state and immediately they'll go exactly what you're saying is he looking at me what is it something i'm wearing and blah 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 And, and you're almost in a state where it's like you know if you stop doing that you could join me Right. If you just let all that go, you'd be just as stoked to be here as I am. Right. And and that's that's the power of, of being free of our stuff, of being free of our ego is that we walk around the world being an embodiment of that freedom. People see us, whether we're tripping balls or over sober, because we're so free. People see us and they go, I don't know what that is, but I'd like to experience a bit more of it. You know, my father-in-law had actually said that to me when I first met him years ago, and, and we didn't hit it off, you know, well at first because we have different mentalities. You know, he asked me, like, where do you want to be in five years? And my response was, in a state of mind where I don't care where I am in five years. That was my answer, right? And, and so after getting to know me for a while, he said, you know, I don't understand where you're coming from, but I would like to. You know, I would like to see a little bit more of that in my own life. And, and it's like, 
Well, it, that's great, but it's kind of a commitment. Like you actually have to commit to, it's not just a little bit when you're feeling a consequence. It has to be 24 seven. It's, it's, it's a 24 seven thing. Like you're either on the ball or you're not, you're either, you know, questioning yourself or you're getting comfortable, but it's one or the other all the time. Right. And, and that's it. So if you're doing that in your day-to-day -day life, you're going to walk around the world with an expression on your face. Like you're just having a great time. You're going to be more open as a result and people are going to feel more comfortable letting go of their thoughts about themselves. That's the wonderful part about that, that power of not trying to save the world is that you change the world as a result. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And, and I do find myself, you know, walking around even when I'm not, especially the last couple of months, just it really, that feeling of, of self-consciousness has decreased significantly. And now that, you know, I know that, that I'm everyone. It's like, what could there possibly be to be self-conscious about? It's almost like cuts through the whole thing. And it's like, name something. And yep. you, you can't, like, you just can't. Well, and people will say, like, you know, you're a bit of an asshole sometimes. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. I have that in me for sure. I have everything in me. You know, name it. It's all in there. Like, I have nothing to defend. I'm awareness. I'm the worst villain to the best hero. And everything in between. So there's no point in defending myself. That's just me trying to hold on to an idea, which just limits me from all the other insights. I'd prefer to be free and, and completely unpredictable. Because yeah, it's more fun. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And just uh, the idea of holding on to beliefs, because I, I think you posted a video recently talking about, you know, the clinging to beliefs. And this was a few days ago. And I said, I wanted to talk about it on the podcast with things like religion and people you know, they'll say, you know, just because you don't believe in it doesn't mean I don't have to just let me believe what I believe. And now, after yesterday, it's a lot clearer why that's it's just it's like just stories about that you're clinging to that you don't have to. No, and but they it, make me feel secure. Yeah. Right. Because I'm holding on to other stories that make me feel afraid. That's. That's the thing about cognitive dissonance is that we will commit to a certain strategy or a certain perception or a certain you know, way of looking at ourselves in the world. And we do that in order to feel secure or to feel more stable or to feel morally superior, whatever it might be. But the consequence that comes with that strategy is always fear and frustration and, and defensiveness and everything else. But because we're so committed to the benefit of the strategy, we won't tie the consequence to that strategy, we'll actually say like, I, I can't figure it out. You know, like I, I always need to be on the ball. I'm always doing my task list and I still can't figure out why I'm so anxious. It's like, because of that, that, that they're the same problem. Like you're overcommitted to control. So that's creating more fear, right? But we don't want to tie them together because then if I do that, I have to stop. I have to stop overcommitting to control if I recognize it's also the source of my fear, but I don't like that because I'm overcommitted to control. And so we immediately have this cognitive dissonance where it's like, no, they can't be related. And we go in circles trying to avoid, it's like a dog chasing its tail. Yeah. And that idea of control there it's, there's nothing, it's an illusion. So you can't even, you can try for it all you want, but yeah, it's like a dog chasing its tail or like a hamster running in a wheel or like, you know, an asymptote. It just, there is no, you, you think you can get to it, but there's no, getting to it so all and that idea of getting to it when you start to retract from it 
takes away and that's what leads to the opposite or anxiety or whatever. But if you can realize that there is no control, there is no belief that you have to have about anything, then that's it. There is the opposite. Do you see how that's counterintuitive to our brain does not like that. I, I said it years ago, the biggest kick in the teeth for seekers of truth is that there's no truth to seek right? because we define ourselves by that journey. And, and we, you know, we, we, we hold ourselves in great esteem because it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going towards enlightenment. And then you get there and you're like, I wasn't going anywhere. I could have just, I could have played Mario Kart and I would have been fine. <laughs> right. Like it, it's just, cause it doesn't matter what you're doing in that state. That that's the amazing part about it is that, you know, we spend so much time trying to, to act spiritual or to act enlightened. And then we get into that state and we're like, Oh, I can swear. I can have a beer. I can, I can do whatever I want because I'm not thinking about myself. None of that is me trying to measure up to this purity test. None of this is me trying to get somewhere. Holy shit. I'm free. And that changes everything. But our brain, when we're confused, especially in identifying, we always see a journey. We always see, you know, there's me now. And then there's me in the future. It's like, you're the same me. The only difference is how much crap you're holding on to. Yeah. I think that's since, meeting you and interacting with you I, I, beforehand. It's a lot clearer now just through my own experiences too. But before I've told you that I've gotten kind of caught up in, you know, being this person who posts on social media and thinking that, oh, because of that, I have to like, you know, not drink as much or, you know, be something else. And, and it's just so freeing. And I, for one, I don't, almost have I have very little desire to drink at all anymore especially with I don't know the mushrooms are like kind of kicking that for some reason and just the imagine. idea that there are uh, like there is a reason that people drink in no I don't know maybe some people like the taste but I think that's a lot fewer than maybe would would admit but the idea that there is no way to be it and I think it's become clearer why initially when we were talking about people like Eckhart Tolle, something like that, how he has sort of like morphed in this figure where he, you know, talks very quietly and, and very slow and, and, oh, it is, it is what is, and mm -hmm. it is peace. And it's like, it, you don't have to do that, man. No. Like you can, you can Emote. just be here now. Yeah. Realizing Absolutely. that is it's, it's almost like he's, he doesn't think that he can do that. And he, it's almost like he feels like he has to be more like that type of person. And, well, and you don't, control, right. It's yeah. another sense of control as I, in this state, I'm very calm and I feel at peace and I feel you know, like I'm, I'm in what is, whereas if I were to get emotional, you know, I might lose that. I mean, I, it, it's like, you know, riding too, too fast on a bike. Right. And if you lack faith in yourself, then, then yeah, you'll start to immediately grasp for that sense of control as we always do when we start to feel like we're losing it. But, it's very much like uh, walking a tightrope. The more you worry about it, the harder it is, right? You, you just have to walk the rope. You have to feel your balance. You have to just keep moving forward and you will find your, your stride, right? Your sea legs, as I referred to it the other day, right? You'll find your stride, but you actually have to trust in yourself. You actually have to get out there and, and, and start dancing. You can't just think, of, think about the dance moves and you can't stick to a certain dance just because that's where you feel comfortable in the dance because the dance is always changing. And if you're not, then you're not really dancing. And that's when everybody starts pushing you around because you're not in the flow. 
or, or you think there's an idea of where you should be. It's like, well, you're, you're here. So you couldn't be anywhere. Whether you think you should, or you shouldn't. And it, it almost seems like with people like that, who are very spiritual and ceremonial, it's like they, they've realized it, but they're still, you know, maybe he thinks that if he acts like that, he'll sell more books or something, or who knows, or that if he doesn't act like that, then maybe he doesn't have enough trust in himself to express Got it. freely. I mean, maybe, maybe that is him expressing freely, but from all accounts, and I've met a few people who have met him, he is like that in, in, in person. Like, that's just the way he is. There's a certain calm reservation about him. And again, I think that a lot of that is, is how he's learned to live. I think a lot of that is, is again, our, our concepts of what it is to be enlightened or spiritual or, or at peace. Um, I always find, to me, my favorite imagery of being at peace is, is you know, laughing my, ha- my, my ass off with a friend, listening to some music in the background or something. But to me, that's peace. Whereas a lot of people in the spiritual community, especially will see like somebody sitting in the lotus position on a mountaintop. It's like, okay, like that's peaceful, right? That that's, that's lovely, but it doesn't matter what the emotion is or, or what the circumstances. So I just wanted to take a quick moment here to announce that we have our California mini retreat coming up on April 11th to April 15th. And it's going to be a blast. There's no agenda. There's no thing that you got to try to be or become. Just time to express yourself, time to be yourself, time to find out. What is it to be myself? Can I really just do that? Can I really just let go? Can I really just show up without any preparation whatsoever to every situation that I get into? With a bunch of people doing the same and a bunch of games to play as you do it. We're going to play some pool. We're going to go for a walk. We're going to shoot the breeze. We're going to hang out. It's the dopest sleepover that you could possibly go to. And you can join us and save $150 by using code BIGBEAR150 at dualisticunity.com. Just go to the California Mini Retreat details. You'll find it in the navigation bar. Enter the coupon code, and you can use this coupon code in addition to your already existing Patreon discount. Very much looking forward to seeing you there. Sorry, it doesn't matter what you're doing, right? It's peace. It's it's an inner thing. It's not even an inner thing. It's just what you are. It's just what you're radiating because you're not analyzing yourself you're not criticizing yourself all the time you are not a thing it's like um dr strange have you ever seen that movie i don't think i've seen that one there's this fantastic line in dr strange because they're talking about his abilities and the fact that he's he's a very smart man he was a surgeon he, he's always excelled in everything but there's one insight that he never got which is that it's not about him and the whole movie just comes right back down to that that insight like it's not about you individually it's not about you separate from everything else it's not about you the idea and and that's exactly the point is that the more we get caught up in that idea the more we squander our incredible ability the more we end up just playing pretend instead of living in the world it's not about us yeah and having an i having an idea of who you are even like it's just clinging almost like knowing yourself or having a having an idea of who you are is clinging to something in the past of what was in a moment and then you've sort of 
it's almost like you hit pause there and you're like, Oh, that's who I am. And it's like, I had all these things and now it's like, that's who I am. And then I'm going to, you know, try and be that. And then it's like, Oh, you know, life wants this, but I know I'm this person, I'm this. And, and it's like builds this resistance and de- like detachment and whatever, and you know, say, but even yeah, immediately. Right. It's like, I am a right turning ship. It's like, well, the wind's going left doesn't matter. I'm a right turning ship. It's like, you don't have to say like, you can just turn. <laughs> you don't have to abide by this idea. You can just adapt. Right. But that's what we do. It's like, no, no, this is, this is what's always kept me feeling safe. This is what's always kept me feeling secure. It's like, right. And as we said before, there's nothing more secure than a prison cell. Yeah. And what you said too, there's so many things that you've said previously that have just made more and more sense <laughs> recently. And with like, with Gary V saying that, you know, he can't swear less because that's not who he is. It's like that sort of like, this is who he's becoming. He's becoming, Oh, this is who he is. And now he's, he's been that person for, you know, 10 years and that's who he is. And it's boxed up and packaged into a nice little cell. And and what's worse is that now he has followers who are like, yeah, that's who he is. That's why I support him. And then you have other followers who are like, Oh, I don't like how, how he is there. It's like, he could change. Right. And that's the thing is that we get caught up in ideas about him in the same way that he gets caught up in ideas about him. And so everybody is dealing with their ideas of each other and nobody's actually in a relationship. And and, and that's the funniest part, right? Especially in conversations, you get into a conversation. And if you're in the habit of identifying, you're not actually in that conversation. You're seeing all of your assumptions about that person, which validate your assumptions about you. And they're doing the same thing. So now you have two images talking to images and nobody's talking to each other. Yeah. all just ideas of what is um, and that's why often you'll you'll run into people and what they'll do is they will they will tell you who they are they will say oh people think this about me and this person was saying this about me and you know this, this you'll never guess what i do and this is just who i am and they'll, they will tell you their story and this is why in first in, in initial life coaching sessions i would always let people just talk for 90 minutes it's like tell me who you think you are because in doing that, I can find your problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've found it. I've always found it interesting. The idea of someone asking who you are or tell me about yourself or, or who are you like with job stuff and resumes. And it's like, how do you even say that? And you just say a bunch of things that have happened in the past that you were, you know, there for basically. <laughs> That was it, right? Absolutely. And, and, and you, you cherry pick the things that are going to give you that sense of control. Like you're like, no, look, I did this and, and this and this and this. And, and of course, you know, anybody who wants to believe those things will go, Hey, that's great. You know, this is who we're hiring. And then six months later, they, they hear, you know, when you were 20 years old, you got drunk or, or stupid or something. And then, and then they're, they're firing you like, Oh, you're not the person we hired. It's like, why are you making assumptions to begin with? Right? Obviously I'm a human being. I've went up and down you know, on the roller coaster of stupidity, everybody has, but we have assumptions like, oh no, perfect. It's like you were saying about uh, that person you passed on the street. Like, you know, how could you break up with me? I was the perfect girlfriend. It's like, that's not, that's not how that works. People change. People are always changing. And, and so many relationships, it's like, you're not the person I thought you were. Exactly. You got it. I'm not the person you thought I was. I never was. Why were you thinking I was a certain person outside of trying to validate what you thought you needed? Yeah, yeah exactly. 
I am something I wanted to ask you about. And you talked about, you know, not needing psychedelics to get to these realizations. And I certainly see that more clearly now. Um, but I have, you know, along my sort of process of getting into all these things over the last probably been, I don't know, four years or so, pretty much since right around when I graduated college. Um, and I've been meditating pretty much regularly for all of that time. And more recently, I feel like I don't, it's like, I don't need to nope. almost. And I'm curious because a lot of people talk about, you know, even someone today, someone commented on my most recent video about how, you know, nothing matters, basically do what you want. This is all game happening for no one for no reason whatsoever. So like, stop taking it so seriously or take it seriously. It doesn't matter. Like do whatever you want. And someone said, uh, like we, we came here for reasons like you'll see soon. And I, I commented came from where, and they're like, you'll like, you'll see soon. Or then eventually it came to, we came from source energy and we will return there, but we always will be. And I'm like, I see what you're saying there, but I feel like you're kind of missing the idea that you're everyone. You're clinging to this idea that you're you that lasts forever, separate from everyone else all the time, everywhere, forever. And they never responded to that one, but... Yeah. No, because yeah, so, you're, you're, you're touching on, on the uncomfortable bit. And this is, it's funny, uh, an old friend of mine has been listening to our podcast. And uh, at the end of episode one, I said something along the lines of, hey, that was a great episode. We managed to get into some, some really good conversations without getting into the uncomfortable bits. And of course, he wrote to me, he's like, what are the uncomfortable bits? And, and it's like, okay, well, it's all fun and games until you realize you're all that is. Right. And, and that's it is that once you get there, things start changing. The conversation starts changing. And that's that's where the spiritual crowd often doesn't want to go, because I would rather believe there is a journey. I would rather believe that there is a source that I'm going to you know, reunite with, that, that there is a separation between me and everything else. So it doesn't have to just be me. That's that's all it is. And and. You, you kind of touched on that in, in one of your previous trips. It really is just me in everything. And that gets super uncomfortable at first. And, and like, there's a lot that goes with that. The entire emotional spectrum from loneliness to aloneness is in that because it's eternal. It's the, it's the, the idea that you are all that is forever. And, and so when we're having that experience, it's very jarring when we're used to thinking of ourselves as me as opposed to everybody else. It feels very lonely. And then after a while... When you're there, you start realizing this actually doesn't change a thing. This doesn't change a single thing, except I don't have to be as afraid. Right. And I can love more freely because I'm loving myself. And, and so it changes the emotional spectrum of the experience that we're having. But at first, it seems super uncomfortable to admit you're all that is because we're used to thinking of it in terms of loneliness and aloneness. But it doesn't change a thing. It doesn't change a thing. It just means you are so vast, you don't have to worry about being alone, right? Like there's so many different varieties of you. You can avoid it for eternity, go nuts, right? Or you can look at, straight, look at it straight in the face and be free. Yeah, it cuts through all those ideas that like there, there is nothing that can go wrong. There is nothing 
to worry about name list off some things to worry about. And I'll tell you things that, you know, you don't have to. And the idea of the eternally eternal now us being for eternity, it's scary if you're clinging to an idea that you're just you, or even just the idea of eternity is is a scary idea, but it's not what is. What is now. is just now. Yeah. yeah. Right? That's it. It's it's always now. It's always now because everything that could exist is within now. And it's all within our awareness, which is why you can imagine pretty much anything, can't you? Right. And and that it's all clues to exactly the, like the reality of the situation that all of existence exists within the void that predated the big bang, or at least that we look at as the big bang, all of existence, all the potential that could exist within duality existed within that void. That was nothing and everything. Well, that was our awareness. That's exactly where we still are. We're still in the void. We just perceive time, right? Like for me to be sitting in this office right now for this, for this experience to exist as a, as a present moment, my awareness goes, but it had to come from somewhere. Right. And so immediately all of the moments that could exist to lead to here exist within time and space. And all the moments that could lead from here to my inevitable death exist within time and space because I perceive duality. So I can't just perceive the existence of one moment without my brain immediately, immediately going, but there had to be a before and an after. Right. Because that's the experience of duality. So everybody talks about the big bang, like it happened and we're somewhere in the process of it happening, but it's ha- it never happened. We have the perception of it happening because it's within the void. It's within the potential of, of whatever it could be, right? So our brain creates time. Our mind creates time, but every moment is existent forever, forever. And so our entire p- perspective of the Big Bang is just based on, on our awareness going, no, this couldn't just exist on its own. It had to have a progression. There had to be something that led to it. And that's our history in a nutshell is just the logical steps to make this moment happen in existence. Uh, I don't know if I'm quite there with you. (laughs) That was going to be something that I wanted to ask you about was the big bang. And I understand now when you were talking about, you know, before you know what was before existence and before what happens like what do you mean it's it's existence it what could what could be before non-existence like it it. it is existence Yeah. yeah like but the idea of you know the void and the big bang and all of those things like it's like, just the they, separation they, perceptually right like everything is one and how do you divide one into everything, right? And so we perceive time as the, the sequence of events that would divide one into everything, right? But all of, all of those things exist within everything. We've just conceptually divided it. We've experientially divided it as well, perceptually and experientially and conceptually we've divided the world. But the world is still, or the universe is still all and everything in one moment, whether we perceive it that way or not. And so that, that's kind of the fun part is that we can experience time, even though time doesn't exist. We can experience space and, and separation, even though those things don't exist. Yeah. 
it's 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 a weird so, thing that's why the vedics used to always say or the vedas used to always say you know i am that you are that we are all that they didn't even give it a name we're just that mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I i'm getting i'm getting that <laughs> with with the be- the beginning <laughs> the void that you're talking about the big bang all which, of which are terrible ways to put it it's just all that yeah got. yeah like I know it's, I want to say like, where did it start? (laughs) But all possible. Okay. So this is what's interesting, right? It is um, in Genesis. It it says in the beginning, right? Well, the original translation was in a beginning, which I find very interesting, Hmm. right? All possible beginnings and endings exist from the current moment, right? Like that's the whole thing is that if you had a story that was just, reality became aware of itself and then reality ceased being aware of itself that story exists right but then if you drew out that story and you made it longer and longer and longer and you ended up you know reality became so disconnected from the awareness of itself that it started creating other little parts of itself and interacting with them and those little parts made a story and they get more and more complex over time and that that complexity bred an entire reality that that being was now existing within separate from itself perceptually only. And so that huge story suddenly exists because it has to within the potential of what could be. So our story on this planet is just one of those potentials. The entire story of this universe is just one of those potentials, which is why science is getting more to the multiple universe theory or the multiverse theory, right? Is that all different universes could possibly exist. Yeah, because all subjective experiences between the observer and the observed must exist. And the universe just facilitates all of those existing within what we deem to be time and space but but why must they exist because they're they're possible right all possibilities within the spectrum of of duality exist within what is right we just experience the expression of those possibilities we we experience what those possibilities would be like. And we take it very seriously as though it's real um, because it feels totally real because of course it is absolutely real in its experience. But the perception we have of it as being real is, is slightly askew. Yeah, I'm having a time. <laughs> I was going to say having a tough time wrapping my head or mind around that, but well, I feel here's like- a good, good example. Um, say the Lord of the Rings. Have you ever read the Lord of the Rings? I've seen, I don't think I've seen all the movies, but I've okay. seen maybe two. The Lord of the Rings is, is an incredible work uh, of, of writing because the author not only wrote the story in, in stunning detail, but created languages, full articulable languages in that story. And that, that was one of the reasons it's so amazing. Well, everything within that story, maybe not all the details, because of course, everything in our experience is open to interpretation, happened somewhere at some time on some planet in some in space and time somewhere because all things that can happen will happen somewhere at some time the universe is far too big for it to not happen the other thing is that time is far too long for it to not happen because we look at the universe as being 16 and a half billion years old right and then what the universe ends and then what it starts over again how many big bangs have there been Right. And if they're always in the now, if every experience in every one of those incarnations of the universe is always, always happening now, then all of those incarnations exist in the here and now, which is why I say everything that can exist within the now does in some expression of time and space. Okay. 
think I'm getting closer. It's difficult. It's still, even, even the idea of everything that can happen must happen in the eternal now, like somewhere at some point, at some time. So, so what I mean is like, there is an Andrew who at this moment is wearing a green sweater in the now instead of the sweater, sweater that you're wearing. Okay. That doesn't exist in this moment that we're, that we're experiencing. Right. So the universe could come and go. Andrew could die. The planet could blow up. Everything gets sucked back into nothingness and it expands again. Maybe the next time around, another Andrew looks almost identical, has almost identical experiences, decides to wear a green shirt today. And in that moment of now, it exists, but we don't see it now, but it's still in the now. It's always in the now. And so that possibility has to eventually express itself in eternity. Eternity is, goes on forever. Everything that can exist within eternity will eventually. That's, that's the whole point. That's why space is so big. So it's almost like we're just experiencing everything. I was going to say an expression of it. Yeah. One possibility. If, one expression. Because it's like in the eternal now, but it's almost like not, not this now. Bah, but it is because it's always this now. Right? <laughs> yeah. Think about it. So yeah. the you that existed five minutes ago, if we were to rewind this video and go back five minutes, was in the now, right? And the you that is looking at me slightly different than that person is also looking at me in the now. And the only thing that separates the existence of those two nows, which are always in the present, always existing, is the process that you have viewed happening from one to the other. But they both exist in now. Mm, okay. All right. I think, right. I think I'm getting. Yeah. It's like um, it's looking at like looking at a movie script, like a, a reel. All of mm -hmm. those frames exist, but you can only see one of them at a time. They all exist. That's the point. The full movie from start to finish already exists, but you can only view one frame at a time. That's the okay. entirety of creation. Everything that could be already is, but we get mm -hmm. the view of one thing at a time from a perspective of separation, it's an amazing thing. It's an incredible gift. If you think about it, God it was able to fool itself into thinking it's not God. So it's almost like, I imagine if we were able to take a step back or go into, you know, if time is the fourth dimension, we were able to go into the fifth dimension almost and like see everything. And it's like, we are three-dimensional things existing in a four-dimensional universe or ex experiencing a four-dimensional universe or perceptive so of which one's dominant are you the awareness are you what is first and human second or are you a human first and what is second and and that's that's very much we keep coming back to this right because that's that's the religious thing i don't want to be all it is right i want to be a human with a journey Right? I, I don't want to come to full responsibility of being the awareness of everything. I don't want to be, you know, responsible for this, essentially. That, that's all it is. You know, I want to hold on to my fears and my concerns. I want to hold on to my petty jealousies because the alternative is coming into alignment with this and looking at what I've created, which at the moment is kind of a fucking nightmare. 
right? Like the world that we've made is so disconnected from what we're talking about because we've been avoiding it for so long. We keep waiting for God to come save us. And the entire time we're sitting here having a drink, waiting for it. It's like, yeah, all you have to do is go out and do something. And, and we know this, we know this collectively. There's more and more people who are like, we can change the world, the world, we can fix the climate, we can fix the system, but we have to do it. And then you have another portion of society. It's like, no, 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 there are people in charge to do that. It's, it's not me. It's not me. I'm not responsible. And that's, that's, that is the next evolution of our species. If we make it that far, it is to realize it's always us. It's always us. There's no, there's no passing the buck. If we're going to destroy the planet, that's on us. We can't blame others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also like, so, so how far do you think you go? I mean, I was going to say how far should you go, but there's, you know, there is not, no should. How far can you go? In the sense of, I guess if you want to dedicate every minute of every second of your day to, you know, trying to do something, you can. Mm. See, I, I look at it this way. It's like we were saying earlier, right? we embody the universe when we get out of the way and, and that's it, right? Like the more I, I get out of my way, the more I realize the impact I have on people I talk to has changed. And then I see them carry that ripple with them and, 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 and affect other people, but it's never through me trying to convince them of anything. Right. So it's okay. always just yeah. allowing things to happen as they should. And, and if you look at society, like we were saying the other day about crutches, streetlights and stuff like that, we're holding back our own evolution by putting, you know, child locks on everything. We're, 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 we're baby proofing everything. And as a result, we don't grow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's because I got, as we've talked, I think I talked about it on episode one or two, this idea of, you know, uh, how can I be so happy if there's so much suffering, blah, blah, blah. But it's almost like it just has to come from within and we are, the universe embodied as, you know, different things, sort of different, but, you know, perceived as different. Totally. And if we were not going to do anything by going outside, like we are, but we aren't going to do anything by going outside of ourselves and, and trying to, you know, almost like force that, to happen that Mm -hmm. change as opposed to just being that change that ripples like the change you want to see there's no control in it right Mm -hmm. like that that, that's the problem and say it's like what people do when oh i'm I'm suffering through a lot of overthinking I'm, i'm i'm going through a lot of anxiety or depression i need to meditate and it's like okay that that will help that that will help but Meditation itself isn't going to solve the problem. It's just going to kind of delay the consequence. What, what the problem is, is it your mentality that you're attached to, right? So going through the motions is going to help a little bit, but it's not going to address the infection that's underneath that Band-Aid, right? And, and the same is true for like what we're doing in the world. Like we're, we're trying to uh, sequester more carbon in the ground by encouraging hemp to be grown pretty much worldwide, which is a great idea for climate change does nothing about the capitalistic system that's going to continue continue to uh, lobby for pollution. It's going to continue to lobby for things that allow those corporations to cut corners and save money and, and continue to pollute. So as much as portions of society are like, yeah, we can fix this. 
by doing this thing, we are not in fact addressing the mentality that's going to continue to cause the problem, right? It's like if we were to suddenly stop driving cars today, all oil-based cars, we just stop driving them. It's not going to take long for a corporation to come up with an alternative that's just as profitable and has the same environmental impacts in one way or another. I mean, lithium batteries are brutal, right, for the environment. So the problem is the mentality that we're operating out of for everything else. But we keep trying to address the things we're doing instead of why we're doing them. So, yeah, so I, I sort of asked before, but like with meditation, it's a lot of things that I watch, especially when I've been, I've been watching a ton of stuff about psychedelics, a lot of YouTube videos and reading stuff and whatnot. And a lot of them, a lot of people say like, oh, you know, it pairs well with meditation and the idea of meditation sort of being a way through everything. And I was, yeah, I was questioning, like, it's just sitting like becoming aware, you know, the idea of becoming aware that you are, you know, thinking so much or even just bringing awareness, which I think it's almost like, I think it can be a good first step in a process, but it's not this end all be all like, it's almost become this fad. that's like, Oh, meditate to improve your life and all of this. And it's like, you know, Alan Watts talks a lot about how it's not, it's, if you're using it as a tool to become, it's just setting aside time to be present, which you could be all the time without it also. So it's not necessary. Like nothing is necessary. No, I don't meditate. Yeah. I didn't think, I figured you didn't. I don't meditate. And, And by, by, I don't meditate. I mean, I don't go out of my way to sit down, close my eyes and try. I just don't. Whereas to me, meditation is just non-attachment to the flow. Like it's just watching it without any judgment, without any analysis. It's just watching it without opinion. And as soon as you're in that state and it's just flowing by, you can be doing anything. I used to love shoveling ditches. At one point when I was younger, I had a job shoveling ditches. And I found that to be one of the most meditative things I'd ever done in my life because it was just going through the motions, watching it go by, right? But not all meditation is meditation. I mean, and and that's unfortunately true. I've met a lot of of clients in the past who said, you know, oh, I have this great meditation that I do. And I immediately, I'm immediately uncomfortable. It's like, what do you mean? And it's like, well, it's this process. I go through this, this guided meditation and it, it teaches me to envision it this way. And I'm just like, Jesus, no wonder you're still suffering because all you're doing is creating more stuff. You're still in the driver's seat. You're still in control. Now you're visualizing a certain feeling. Now you're cherry picking instead of just experiencing where you are and what is happening. You're superimposing your preferences again. And that's, that's not meditation. But we convince ourselves it is because it feels good in the short term. It feels very calming to imagine yourself as a lotus blossom emerging into the sun until you leave your house and you go into the street and somebody's like, get the fuck out of the way. Where's your lotus blossom there, right? Like you need to be able to hear that guy and go, right, still disconnected. Doesn't mean anything about me. He's probably just having a bad day. Boom, moment of meditation and had nothing to do with envisioning the sun or a growing tree or anything. It was just non-attachment. Mm-hmm. I find it kind of funny when 
someone's uh i don't know if i saw it in a movie or like real life or something but someone's sitting and you know meditating semi in public but in a quieter place and then someone is like noisy nearby and they're like shut up you're ruining my meditation it's like yo what (laughs) that's like yeah exactly i think you're missing something there i uh i had a friend once who who and this is where it really became obvious to me. I was in, I don't know, I was about 26, 27. And uh, he would take himself so seriously that he would have a meditation time in the day. And if you try it, like I, I was walking by his house one day, I went, oh, I'm just going to stop in and say, hey, his girlfriend comes to the door. Can't disturb him. He's in his meditation time. Like, For what? Like, obviously so nothing disturbs him so this shouldn't bother him at all right like that's the point but and and he was very upset about it but it's because like oh i need this time it's like come on like it doesn't have to be another facet of your ego it doesn't have to be another arduous journey this is not a practice of i'm climbing everest it's a practice of realizing you are everest like there's nothing to climb and it's it i think it just reinforces because these are things i'm I'm loving these discussions because we're breaking through my own habitual patterns. I'm very much someone who has always had, you know, routines and ideas of, you know, having a very structured to-do list for my day and, you know, going through doing manifestations, doing a meditation and being consistent about it. And the idea that it's, it almost breeds this idea that there, or this illusion, like with your friend, that there's somewhere to get. And they're doing this thing so that, you know, they have to do it for, you know, I meditated for a year and now I'm here and I'm a changed person. And I'm, I've realized that now is all there ever is. It's like, well, it always was. And you going through, you didn't need that. And that's what I'm literally, as we speak, realizing is because I've sort of, there have been times, especially when I was very attached to like meditating I was like, oh, I have to meditate and then I'll, I'll be busy one morning and then I'll miss it and I'll like feel bad about it. I'll be like, oh, I didn't meditate. Like, oh, am I going to be able to handle everything that comes at me today? Like, I don't know. I, I find sometimes that when There's I don't the meditate, thing. then I, that I can't, you know, take on the day and I'll, I'll react certain ways because, oh shoot, why did I react that way? Oh, right. I didn't meditate this morning. Right. It's like, now I'm realizing I don't need that it's like something you need until you realize that you don't it's kind of same with suffering it's like suffering is necessary until you realize that it isn't and i think it's just the same yeah yeah (laughs) it is i mean that's the only thing is that i still use my identity i have no problems using my identity hi i'm ray no problem at all um i don't take any of it seriously i i know it's it's just a tool it's a way of of communicating it's it's a very convenient way of, of trying to communicate, you know, concepts and languages and jokes and all of the fun stuff that goes with duality. Because again, if there was no perception of division, there would be no humor, right? Because humor is almost always at someone else's expense, right? So all of the experience that we have within division and duality is a beautiful thing until you get caught up in it, until you start thinking, oh, no, no, my, my interpretation is what is. And it's like, mm. It's not, it's just what you're seeing right now, right? It's just, it's just the facet that you're becoming aware of as you turn that, that crystal around and you look at all the different angles, right? Like that, that's all interpretation is, that's all perception is, but 
we tend to think what I think is real, right? And if somebody asked me recently, it's like, um, they're, they're trying to get this. They're, they're really trying to understand, like, how are we all the same thing? I don't understand how we're all the same awareness. And it's like, right, because you think you are what you think you are. And, and that sounds simplistic because it is, unfortunately, as simplistic as it gets. So long as you think your thoughts can reflect truth, you cannot see unity. You just can't experience it, right? Because you're in the way, whatever you're doing, you're thinking about unity. You're thinking about a concept. You're thinking about, you know, which is always dualistic. If you're thinking about unity, then you're thinking about separation by contrast. You're thinking, right? The only way to experience unity is to be unity which is not a state of thought. It's not a state of anything. It's just what is. It's just getting out of the way and going, oh, right, I'm, I'm not separate from any of this. You know, I'm not, there is no division outside of the one that I'm convinced or, or rather committed to perceiving. Definitely. It brings me back to the idea that there is, I feel like as humans, we get caught up in this idea of adding to ourselves and becoming something and being in on this journey and this process. And, and I think above all is the only journey should be, you know, realizing that there isn't one, but also that there is nothing that like the, all of these ideas of that you think you're adding to yourself, it's more so just peel them back is I want to say better, but will bring you clearer. close, clearer. Yeah. I will say clearer. That I will yeah. say. It's not better. This is the one thing I always worry about when, in terms of spiritual conversations is that we start talking about levels, levels mm -hmm. of awareness, levels of consciousness, levels of spirituality. And I said this in one of my very early, in one of my earliest TikTok videos, it's like, there are no levels. There are only directions towards yourself and away from yourself. That's it. That's it's, there are no levels like everybody is always what is and they always have the capacity to 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 realize it in a moment, just like that. Sometimes it's a near death experience. Sometimes it's psychedelic. Sometimes it's just losing everything. But it's always there. Always. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of, of. Letting go of our fight, you know, and, and, and that's that's why faith is so, such an interesting concept to me. Like I said, I was, I was raised Roman Catholic as were you. And, and we were drilled with this idea of faith over and over and over again, faith and humility. Right. And never, never made any sense. Like I, I got it as a Christian. I'm like, yeah, okay. Faith, you know, everything's going to be fine. God's got my back. Um, but then I immediately had preconceptions of what that meant. I, I immediately thought to myself, well, this is what that means to be fine. And I'm going to pray for that. And, and so Praying is, you know, for a certain end result is still control. Faith in an end result is still control, right? So it's not actually faith. So you're not actually being present. And of course, how could you be if you're having faith in an external being that doesn't exist? So now you've left yourself again, you're back in identity, right? And so you've immediately just lowered your sense of awareness. And what's odd is that all that happens when we raise our sense of awareness is that we're just becoming more aware of what is always the case that we're not separate, right? So you immediately know you're losing awareness if you're starting to think about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And all of these things come back to, you know, any struggles. It's like, 
you know, we were talking about thoughts, but also just the idea of who you are, which is, I guess, a thought too, but it's the identification and the realization like, oh, I want to think everything's unity. Like I am that person too. And it's like, you're still holding on to this idea that you are this person or, you know, you're this spirit experiencing a person or something separate. And it's, it's just, it's just what is. That's right. It's and, always and has been. The danger there is that you end up projecting your view of yourself into that person, right? Like, so you start expecting how you view your intentions to be reflected through their actions. And, and that's when you end up with expectations and frustrations. Like, well, I would never act that way. It's like you would in that situation, in that person's life, but you're so caught up in thinking of yourself through the lens of your current life that you can't see that, right? So it's, it's again, negation. It's getting past the idea that you would do anything in particular, that you would act in any way in particular that allows you to see yourself in that person's eyes, not as a conceptual thing, but an actual moment of recognition where you can feel where they're coming from, what their intentions are and where they're going, but it's never conceptual. That's why I find life coaching and, and psychology to be so, so funny and, and yet so totally wrong in its direction because they will only they will almost teach you a structure to help people with and it's like oh if this is happening go back to this this is probably coming from this this and this and this but they don't teach you to feel that in the moment they don't teach you how to be present with that person to get your mind out of the way and to allow that that spontaneous intelligence that we were talking about embodying to actually act right because in in a coaching session as with in a friendship or a relationship or a marriage or anything your relationship in that moment is going to be more or less beneficial based on how present you both are. So if we're not teaching that to psychologists, if we're not teaching that to therapists, how to be present, then all we're doing is arming them with another intellectual idea of themselves. And they're going into these sessions where they could be helping to promote unity and they're creating division only as a result of, of the mentality that they're holding on to. So it's, it's, it's so sad that we haven't gotten this point yet like this and conversations that have been happening like this for a long time are going to continue to change that, you know, in the same way that um, Carl Jung affected Al Alcoholics Anonymous, right? The, the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous went and talked to Carl Jung when he was developing that system. And it was Carl Jung's entire uh, insight about the collective consciousness that we aren't divided that allowed them to realize one of the last steps in the 12 step process is the acknowledgement of a higher power that you are part of something greater. Right. And so these insights are, are changing our society, but it's like you were saying earlier, it's like we almost start to focus on, on the, the actions that we're taking instead of the mentality that those actions came from. Right. It's like, I'm going through the 12 step process and it's like, right. But if you could find the mentality of the person who created that 12 step process in yourself, then the 12 step process is irrelevant. You see the whole picture. Now it's just going through the stage or going through the, the process. Right. So it's always just awareness. It's a one-step process, awareness. It, it's so hard to explain, but it, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's almost like with those processes. And if you're not coming from this place of unity, you're just giving out a bunch of fish as opposed to, you know, teaching people how to fish that old got it. saying. It's like you're giving them, you gave them, you know, 10 or 20 fish and you know, something starts coming up and they're like, oh shit, which fish is it? Oh, uh, it's that one that I'm supposed to eat in this situation. It's like they 
they don't realize they can just learn how to fish and then they never have to remember which fish to have. They don't have to hold on to any fish. They can just catch a new one each and every time. And that's exactly. It. And that's, that's ultimately, you know, the epitome of martial artists mentality as well. Right. Is that is like Bruce Lee said, you know, no form as form it's, you know, you are in the moment and, and as much as all the structures and all the movements you've learned in the past might, might influence what you're going to do. As soon as you make an assumption about what's going to happen, you're no longer in that moment. You you've cut your ability to adapt to it in half at least. And so it's always going into the situation, realizing I don't have control. I have influence if I'm present. And, and that was one thing my Sifu, he really drilled that home to me. It was like, you know, the more you're thinking about the outcome, the more likely it is you're going to lose this fight because mm-hmm. right? you're yeah. not in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's like with almost anything like that, the, you know, the test analogy, you know, having half of your focus on the outcome of the test, how you're going to do and half of it on the test itself. That's, you know, or the archery or, or anything. It's, it always just comes back to being there, being in it always not, you know, focused on any other, out, potential outcome, what might be. It's like we're superimposing a narrative over our experience. Like we're, we're experiencing what is. And then we're like, no, 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 no. That's not what I want to see. I want to see this. And so we superimpose a story over what we're doing. And then it changes the experience as a result, right? Like I've had jobs where if I just went to work and I did my job, I would have learned something about myself that day. Instead, I went to work and bitched about my job. And so all I learned about was complaining about my job. All I learned about was the experience that I was superimposing on what was. So now instead of just learning from the experience, I had to learn that I was superimposing an experience and to get out of the way to get back to the lesson that I could have been learning to begin with. Right. So it's always just adding distortion, Mm -hmm. right? We just put a story in there and that changes it. Like, like clinging to any belief precludes you from understanding its opposite or believing in anything, you know, cuts you off from anything that may come from being open to that idea or belief or concept or structure, not being the truth. And it, it's like, it never is no matter what, there is no belief that is ultimate truth because ultimate truth is not a belief. So it couldn't be, it just is, it just is always forever. It's not a concept. It's not a concept. That's the thing. I I repeat this in my comment section constantly because it's really, it's the crux. Concepts aren't truth. Concepts are not reality. They, They can point to reality. They can indicate reality. They can try and describe reality, but the description is never the described and, and until we get that, we get really focused on the description. We get really focused on the described because it's easier, right? Like it's easier to talk about a building than to understand how it's built. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I had a question you brought up with like AA stuff in the 12th step. I'm not familiar with the process. I've heard some things, you know, even just videos I make, people are like, oh, this is sounds like some of the steps from AA. And, and it makes sense that Carl Jung, you know, that I get that now how that's correlated. But the idea at the end with the higher power, I've always like been curious about that. And I've sort of seen it with the idea that we like we are that 
higher power always. And it's almost like we just have so many fucking layers that we have forgotten or don't realize it or think that we're not, or think that it's something else, but we don't want to think that it's us. Yeah. Or like, I feel like with that being, you know, 12 step, so it's almost like, I feel like a lot of people could believe in a separate other power. And that seems a little bit, you know, so concerning. It, it can be. I think it's important to remember that the 12-step process or AA or any anonymous group, for example, um, they're designed to take people out of a really, really like low energy state. They're, t- they're designed mm-hmm. to try and pull people out of out of a certain hell. Um, it's, it's 12 steps to being free of the attachment to the addiction, but it's not necessarily 12 steps to being free. And so you can look to a higher power and that might help you see yourself as a part of everything else you can see more of a purpose in your life or you can see more meaning in what you do but it's just as dangerous to get stuck on that to get stuck on the idea that there is that higher power so the next stage beyond that is to recognizing that that any division you perceive between yourself and that higher power is still that existent identity that's still that existent idea of yourself which ultimately was the reason you fell into alcoholism which ultimately was the reason that you fell into despair so it's always just the process of slowly shedding that, right? Whereas the 12 step process, they don't take you all the way to the end where it's like, now you're everything, right? They take you to the end where it's like, now you don't have to worry about going out in public and, and drinking yourself to death because you, you have a sense of meaning and purpose. Okay, now go on and carry on on your own, right? So it's not meant to be the full on mm-hmm. thing. It's kind of like um, Deepak Chopra. He wrote this book, uh, How to Know God. And it's a good book. I definitely recommend reading it. it, it it's got some really interesting um some stories in there and some uh, anecdotal evidence and some historical context about the various levels of awareness from going to being separate to recognizing that you and God are one. And it, it does a great job all the way through to, through to the end. And then he stops before the inevitable recognition that there is no division at all, because we don't want to have that conversation. We really don't. You'll notice like spirituality will get to a certain level of depth. And then it will almost stop for the sake of continuing to perpetuate its own practice. Because as you said, after a certain point of awareness, all practices become pointless, or rather they, they, they are no longer the point, right? They're just practices. So if you, you, you can practice meditating, you can practice Kung Fu, you can practice darts. Either one is going to bring you to a, a more refined state of awareness if you're able to use it that way, if you're able to be in that state of awareness when you're doing it instead of using it to get you there. It's the cart it, before it, the horse. Yeah, yeah it's, any, it's literally anything. Like you can create a podcast and be fully there and that's it. You can, you know, walk around for 15 days straight and that's it. You can, you know try to start drinking more water. And if you're there when you're drinking the water, like that's it, you know, it's like, it, it's literally doing anything whatsoever. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, you don't need anything because what is, is, and that's it. And that's like the end of it. So I'm like with Deepak Chopra, like with his book, did he do that in a way for people to realize it on their own or because he wanted to, that's you know, make question. sure make sure that people, you know, didn't get there. So they kept needing. Or is things. it just something he doesn't want to see? Is that as far as he was able to go based on what he was prepared so, to accept? Right. And it's like uh, in the matrix, 
Um, the, the Oracle says we can never see past decisions that we're not prepared to make. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that's kind of it. It's like, it makes you wonder why, like how so many of these spiritual teachings or so many of the, these, these teachers or these avatars stopped at certain points. Right. And it's because that was as far as they were comfortable because I'll say, and, and, you know, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal by any means, but I'm old and I've been at this for 20 years and it feels like an eternity. And every time, or, or rather regularly, there are moments where I'm once again faced with the realization that I'm still holding on to an idea of myself. And so I have to let it go. I have to, and I don't have to, I choose to. I choose to because to me, it, it's, it's what drives me. And it's not because I want to get anywhere, but because I can. It's fun. Why not? And, and I enjoy seeing the, the, the ripples around me. But I mean, at the end of the day, not everybody's going to continue to do that. And, and in my life, I have, I have seen many, many people just kind of fall away because it was the idea, I don't want to go that far. I don't want to see that. I don't, I don't want to let that go. I want to continue thinking that, you know, a partner is going to give me value, or I want to continue thinking that focusing on the future is going to get rid of my anxiety. I'm just not prepared. You know, I actually had somebody on TikTok. It was great. I was this young guy uh, six months ago and I made a video and, uh, and he responded, he was quite angry about it. And it was because, you know, I was, I was talking about being one and blah, blah, blah. And so we ended up in this conversation and went back and forth for like half a day. And by the end of it, he went, so what you're saying is that my idea of myself is, is just an idea that the reality behind it is that I'm an extension of everything. And he stopped and he looked at his screen and he went, I don't think I'm ready to see that yet. And it was about as honest an answer as I could ever hope. But the seed was there. It was planted. The conversation happened and it wouldn't have had I got defensive. If I was trying to defend a certain idea or a concept or an idea of myself, I would have been offended when he's like, well, yeah, I think you're full of shit. It's like, yeah, I might be probably let's work through it. Right. Because we can. And so at least if we can get to a point where we have that conversation where people can clearly say, I'm not quite ready for that yet. That's a lot better than going, no, there's nothing there. Right. That, that changes things significantly. And, and, and again, as with everything, because we're going to have to wrap this up soon, um, it's a one-step process. It's always just the one-step process of allowing yourself to be aware. And, and the more you do that, the more it changes everything. Yeah, so much. It's been pretty awesome. I, I love this. And I, the, the idea of it being scary is I don't even, I don't know. It's not at all. It's, it's like more exciting than anything I've ever experienced in my life. And it, yeah, it's like, I find myself even, you know, the last couple of weeks, like I always some, and a lot of times I will, you know, listen to an audio book, listen to music, walking around, but I find myself more and more not listening to not even having headphones and walking around, New York and I just listen to everything and I'm just aware of what is and I'm like, wow, this is, this is all me. Eh, That's eh, it. pretty cool. It's a pretty cool place. Existence becomes fulfilling as it mm-hmm. always was if we allowed it to be right. Like I don't, people have asked like, well, have you read this spiritual book that just came out? I, said, I don't read spiritual books. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't 
listen to any of that stuff anymore unless it pops up like if it's on on my for you page or if it's on youtube or something oh and alan watts clips like sweet but i don't i don't need it i don't look for it it's just there if i if if i run across it right because i'm the point you're the point right this this moment here now is the entirety of existence if we can allow ourselves to get out of the way and witness it for what it is but as long as we're we're convinced that I am what I think I am, right? Then I'm not following that one step process of you know questioning that until I become aware of what I actually am, which is not a concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and clean, like all those things, you know, spiritual books, you know, speeches, anything like that. It's almost like if they got it and they're expressing it, they're all saying the same exact thing, just doing their best to leave seeds for people who have, you know, have ears to hear. And so you're just listening to the same thing over and over. And I've heard some Alan Watts clips that I've heard many times before in speeches, and it makes so much sense now than before, because I had all these ideas of what things were and who I was. I was like, I mean, it sounds good. Like it kind of makes me feel good, but it's like, eh, what's he really saying? It's like, oh, he's just saying the same thing over and over in different ways, figuring out different ways to say it. And it's all the same. And him and everyone else who has ever understood that and attempted to express it in language, in words, which is not an easy thing to do. Obviously, look at us, right? We're, we're doing the exact same thing, but it's interesting to me that because all there is is you, then it's always been you trying to express this to yourself. <laughs> always. And, and we always are. If we, if we open our, our ears and listen, the lessons are everywhere. Like we, we learn it in everything. You can stare at a tree growing and learn all you need to know about your own nature if you have the ears to hear, if you have your eyes wide open, right? And, and, and that's it, is that, you don't need a guru. You don't need a structure. They're all nice and they can teach you things. Sure. But there's always the danger of becoming attached. Right. And so just keep focusing on that one step process. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited, man. I, I, I love these conversations and I love the, the pace with which you are growing. It, it's so, it's so interesting and, and um, fun for me because as you said, you're, you're going through your own process while we have this conversation, but of course, so am I right? Like I'm walking away from these podcasts, refining the things that I go through. I'm walking away from these going, right. Yeah. I'm still crazy, but I'm not the only one, you know, that kind of thing, right? Like it's, it's encouraging because the conversation is really all we need to do. It's just, we just need to keep having this conversation. And the more people that do with the intention of, of just having the conversation of just, you know, practicing that one step process again, right? The more we're going to continue to gain awareness, not just individually, but collectively, which is also individually. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to wrap up episode three, because uh, it's been almost an hour and a half now. And as everybody who listens to this knows, we tend to keep talking. Um, we do have a upcoming social anxiety workshop on October 19th. You can find the details on social media or of course on our website. And as well, you can find some more exclusive content and video content on our Patreon page for only $5 a month. And uh, I will be away 
going camping as of tomorrow. I will be gone until next weekend. So you may not see much activity from me online, but uh, definitely contact Andrew if you have any questions or, or if you want to just challenge where he is right now, because, you know, that's probably the best thing for him. Definitely. Yeah. And feel free. You know, I think YouTube comments are probably the best way to reach either of us directly. I tend to respond to pretty much any and every YouTube comment I get. It's a lot more difficult to do that on other platforms. But if you do have questions about this, things you want us to expand on, uh, please comment them down below. Excellent. Thank you so much, everyone. We will see you next week for episode four.